everybody. I'm happy to share with you all that Dr. Devendra Venkatramani, renowned VR surgeon and alumnus of Shankar Netralaya Chennai, has agreed to join us for our 60th episode on functional vision loss. Dr. Devendra has won numerous awards throughout his career and has made significant contributions to many books, national and international conferences. It's a great pleasure to have you here with us today. Hello everyone. I'm Dr. Devendra Venkatramani. I'm a proud alumnus of Shankar Netralaya, having done my DNB in the year 2008 to 2010 from SN Chennai, and I currently practice as a VR surgeon at Lakshmi Eye Institute, Panvel. Today, I'll be talking about functional visual loss. It's a topic that is rather mystifying to most, especially because the true incidence of this disorder is really hard to judge. Suffice it to say, functional disorders are those in which symptoms have no detectable organic basis. But generally, this is a diagnosis of exclusion after having ruled out all types of organic disorders that can produce the same symptomatology. It's important to remember at the outset that even if one suspects functional vision loss, one must bear in mind that many of these patients have serious life-threatening conditions, including intracranial pathologies or psychiatric illness that can even lead to loss of life by suicide. Let us try to understand functional disorders as a group. There are two types of functional disorders. The first, in which there is no deliberate attempt on the part of the patient to deceive either his relatives, family members, caregivers or medical staff. These are called somatoform disorders and they include conversion disorder, which was formerly called hysteria, somatization disorder and hypochondriasis. Some patients, however, are deliberately trying to deceive their caregivers or the medical staff. In them, there could be a psychological gain, for example, gain in sympathy, reduced workload or uh, care from a particular family member and these fall under factitious disorders. When the benefit, however, is material, for example, an insurance claim or compensation uh, due to a job-related injury, it is called malingering. The most important aspect of examining a patient with functional vision loss or a suspected functional vision loss is a detailed history which includes the origin, duration and progress of the relevant symptoms detailed clinical examination and that includes a refraction, in appropriate cases a cycloplegic refraction as well, and a dilated examination of the lens and the posterior segment. Optic nerve function tests are of a special importance because many times the pathology may be retrobulbar in location if there is really an underlying pathology. The optic nerve function tests include visual acuity, color vision, the pupillary reactions and field examination either by confrontation examination or by a more formal automated perimetry. An OCT of the macula can also help identify very minute pathologies at the fovea. Electrophysiology is very valuable indeed in diagnosing afferent pathway lesions, especially the pattern VEP, which can also differentiate between an optic nerve or um, a macular pathology. And in many cases, neuroimaging, especially an MRI of the brain and orbits, is also warranted to rule out any significant intracranial lesion. How does one approach a patient if all these tests have turned out to be normal? Well, in general, one can classify them based on the nature of the presenting complaint. Patients who have profound binocular vision loss are special category. In this group, one needs to look at how the patient enters the, the examination room right at the beginning. A truly blind person would move around carefully, whereas a malingerer appears to deliberately walk into obstacles and bump into furniture. In this setting, the menace reflex can be used to test for some amount of visual function, but it may produce false positive as well as false negative results. 
Similarly, shining a bright light, a very intense bright light on the patient's eyes can produce reflex tearing in a patient who has visual function. Tests based on proprioception may be useful to differentiate a malingerer from someone with true binocular visual loss. For example, asking the patient to touch the finger of an outstretched hand with the other hand uh, will not be impaired in a patient with vision loss. Similarly, a person with an acute onset of bilateral blindness will be able to sign their name or you know perform their signature very accurately, whereas a malingerer would artificially produce a scrawl or inability to do so. Optokinetic nystagmus using the elicited by the OKN drum is a very useful test in this setting and the width of the stripes can also be altered. If they can be altered, they can even give a clue as to the grating visual acuity in such patients. A similar test is the mirror test in which a large mirror is held in front of the patient and the patient is asked to at least look in the direction of the mirror and the mirror is tilted from side to side and this elicits nystagmoid movements of the eyes in a patient who has visual function. Patients who present with monocular profound vision loss form a second category. In these patients, the single most important test is the pupillary light reflex, especially the swinging flashlight test to look for relative afferent pupillary defect. Very subtle pathologies, if they are asymmetric, can produce a positive RAPD. So this is the single most important test. Other tests are based on dissociation between the two eyes and this type of dissociation can either be produced prisms or using of different colors in front of each eye. Using prisms takes some practice and a little bit of skill. Using a four prism diopter a prism placed in front of the apparently good eye with its base up and apex just bisecting the pupil results in monocular diplopia. When the patient is convinced of this fact that he is able to see two images with the good eye, the prism is slipped in such a way that covers the pupil completely and then the other eye is uncovered. Now if the patient says that he is experiencing diplopia, it is nothing but a binocular diplopia demonstrating that he has visual function in the apparently blind eye. Similarly, one can use a larger prism like an 8 prism diopter prism in front of one eye, uh, the allegedly blind eye and ask the patient to walk up or down stairs which will be very difficult for someone with binocular function. A third category of patients are those who complain of decrease in vision in one or both eyes. One way of tackling this setting is by performing a prolonged refractive testing with reassurance of the patient at every stage and expressing disbelief when the patient um, says that he cannot read a particular line. Another strategy involves keeping the visual angle constant but altering the test distances. In other words, Smaller size letters should be able to be read from closer and larger size letters from far away. But patient may not be aware of this fact and may stick to a particular line which he has come to believe reflects his true visual acuity. A fourth category of patient complains of visual field defects. Now the classical functional visual field defect is actually a constriction of the visual field and it is important to remember organic pathologies that can produce this kind of constricted field which include glaucoma, retinitis pigmentosa, chronic papilledema, etc. And all of these can be ruled out by careful fundus examination. A patient with a constricted field which is functional in nature demonstrates a true tunnel vision rather than a funnel vision that's seen in organic disorders. In other words, if a tangent screen is used and it is moved away from the patient and a proportionately larger target is used at the same time, in a patient with functional vision loss, the absolute size of the field remains the same rather than increasing which is the case in an organic vision loss. One can do binocular visual field testing in patients with true monocular vision loss. This shows the absence of the corresponding temporal crescent 
and a visible blind spot in the normal eye, whereas in a patient who has functional vision loss, these findings are absent. We are familiar with white scotomas, cloverleaf uh, patterns, and squaring of the visual field, which are also indicators of a patient who is having a subnormal or suboptimal response to visual field testing. Finally, visual fields in malingerers tend to be highly inconsistent and variable once uh, when one repeats the test, whereas in those who have organic field loss or conversion disorder, they are generally consistent over repeated testing. To sum up, the differential diagnosis of functional vision loss is very long indeed. It definitely includes organic disorders that have very subtle ocular findings and those disorders which are either retrobulbar or intracranial in location. In general, patients with functional vision loss need to be handled with tact. A confrontational attitude is probably counterproductive in most cases. Many of these patients require psychological evaluation, counseling and care and one should not hesitate to refer these patients for psychiatric evaluation and treatment. Thank you very much for your patient hearing. Thanks also to the organizers and Dr. Meenakshi for having me participate in this very innovative podcast series. It's always a pleasure and privilege to participate in any of the events of Shankar Neetralai, my alma mater. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir, for the interesting talk. Thank you all for listening. We will be back again with yet another interesting episode next week. Do subscribe to our channel and stay tuned.